It's episode 38 of Escape the Rat Race Radio. Let's do this. People often say to me now, what's it like making the first million? Actually, it was it was a much bigger wow making the first 20 quid because it was the first sale that dropped in. I thought, there's someone that doesn't know me somewhere on this planet that's just sent me 20 quid. It's like, this is amazing. And once you've got the first one, you kind of know that this stuff works and you can make more. And all you've got to do is just get you know more traffic and more products and the amount of money you make is just going to go up. Hi, my name's Christian Rodwell, and this week my guest on Escape the Rat Race Radio is author, speaker, and founder of the internet business school, Simon Coulson. Now, Simon climbed the corporate ladder with British Telecom for 14 years before quitting the city life. He started a series of internet businesses and has now built five seven-figure online businesses. And Simon's businesses have generated over £20 million in sales. And the first £2 million were from the spare room in his house. Now, Simon has made his fortune in a range of different internet business models, including information products, membership sites, online retail, online training, and online transaction services. And Simon's also become an established public speaker on internet marketing and has spoken around the world to audiences of up to 7,000 people, including London's O2 Arena, and alongside such greats as Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Brian Tracy, and ex-president of the United States of America, Bill Clinton. Now, in this interview today, Simon and I discuss how much simpler it is now to utilize the power of the internet to begin generating your first online revenues. And you'll also get to hear Simon's proven four-step process for validating your own online business opportunity. So I know you want to find out what that is. So let's not hang on any longer. Let's head on over to my conversation with Simon Coulson. Welcome to Escape the Rat Race Radio today, Simon. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm excellent, thanks. And where in the world are you today? I am currently sat on Darling Bud's Farm down in Glorious Kent. Wow. Well, I've heard about that before, but um, some of our listeners may not have. So well, it, I'll ask you to introduce yourself in a second, Simon. But we, we bumped into each other just before Christmas. You were on stage. You were speaking at an event where we had Lord Sugar. And I've seen you speak several times, actually. And it's always brilliant to hear your story. It's very inspiring. And for those listeners who haven't heard your story, I know that it's absolutely going to inspire them as well. So so why don't you just let everyone know who Simon Coulson is and what your business is? Okay, so uh, the one minute version is uh, I'm Simon Coulson. I used to have a corporate job, left that 13 years ago, set up a home-based internet business that did rather well and then set up some other online businesses that did rather well too. Uh, and also then quite early on set up a training company called Internet Business School to teach other people how to do what I'd figured out how to do. Um, that led me to become an international public speaker, speaking alongside the likes of, as you mentioned, Lord Sugar, but people like Richard Branson, President Clinton, uh, Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Brian Tracy, all those kind of guys. Um, so now I run 11 different companies, all internet-based in a whole range of different niches and areas. Uh, one of those is the training company, Internet Business School, which teaches other people how to do the same thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I know many, many people who've been on your training, Simon, everyone always talks so highly of it. And you've got a wonderful team. I know that support you with all of that now. So Simon, was there a time, and I believe it's about 10 years or going into the 11th year now, isn't it, of the Internet Business School, if I'm correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah Internet Business School, I started a couple of years after I left the, the rat race. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so I, I was about to say, was there a time for yourself, Simon, when you would, you would have said, yes, I'm in that rat race and maybe not sure exactly where the next turn was going to be for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I left school at 18, went to work for BT um, for no other good reason than I didn't even know what the job was I was applying for, to be honest. I just sent off a CV to lots of big companies like BT and Prudential and Lloyd's looking for a job. Um, When I was leaving school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Ended up working for BT um, just because their job offer was the highest pay, starting pay as a a school leaver. Um, Worked in their customer services relation management department. and worked all through my 20s there and actually 14 years I spent literally in that rat race. So commuting to London every day, it was a two-hour journey just to get to work involving a, a, an overground train and two tubes. So uh, in fact, in the early days, it was it was the days before the slidey doors on the train. So literally, you know, to save every last second on your journey, you'd be opening the slam doors and riding on the little runner plate ready to jump off as it pulled into to, uh, to Cannon Street or Charing Cross or whatever. And then it was the race to get down the escalators to the tube and get on the tube train. You know, so it really was literally rat racing. Mm. Yeah. And what was the actual defining moment for you, Simon, where you said enough is enough? Or was it a forced moment in terms of redundancy or something like that? It was, it was a couple of th- things, actually. I'd kind of got to my early 30s and thought, you know what, I really don't see myself doing this till I'm 65. You know, I've been doing this for 14 years, really not enjoying it. And, you know, I'm 30 now, 65. It's another 30 odd years of this. I'm not even a quarter of the way through and I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out and had enough of it already. Um, there was another incident where I actually collapsed at King's Cross Tube Station. So I was um, getting an escalator and I just remember getting on the escalator at the bottom and then waking up on the floor at the bottom of the escalator. And I'd basically just blacked out and rolled backwards and landed in a heap at the bottom. And there were just loads of people, and it felt like hundreds, I don't know how many it was, but loads of people just stepping over me, just ignoring me. And then eventually one of them stopped and said, are you all right? And I just remember going, no. I didn't know what had happened, a heart attack or a stroke or what, I had no idea. So they got me an ambulance and they put heart monitors on me and everything. And they concluded that I hadn't had a heart attack or anything. Um, they just said, you've just fainted. You're just, you know, probably fatigued, tired out, overdoing it. Uh, go and see your GP tomorrow, get signed off for a week, just have a bit of R&R and you'll probably be fine. But just, you know, just slow down a bit. You're probably just trying to do too much. Um, so that was a real, made me really start thinking, you know, maybe I should be looking at something else. And I've, originally I was just thinking, should I just find a local job that doesn't involve four hours travel a day? Because I thought, you know, that's a big part of my day is this, you know, this hellish journey to work. And it's kind of two hours door to door if everything worked, but relying on three separate train lines, if one of those was down for the day, suddenly you've got even more drama. So it could be two and a half or three hours just to get to work. Um, so that got me thinking. And then I had this other thing going on, which was I played in a, a very average pub covers band. And we decided to change this band and become a Coldplay tribute band. And suddenly we started getting £2,000 a gig for this Coldplay tribute band, which between four of us meant £500 each. Two gigs a week, £1,000 a week. That's actually more than BT were paying me. So suddenly there was this like alternative, alternative career path in front of me. Um, and then the final 
thing that happened was BT announced a redundancy scheme. Said, we're looking for volunteers to go and we're prepared to pay you to leave. And I'm thinking, well, I was thinking of leaving anyway. You're now saying you'll give me a lump sum to go. How much? So I filled out the form online and uh, it was a bit under £20,000. So I've been there 14 years. It was so, relatively, it was still, because BT was quite a, a generous company in terms of redundancy. So it seemed like a reasonable chunk of change to go. And I just thought, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Uh, in fact, in my book, I talk about this, but literally on my last um, trip home from work, the last day of employment, I I, um, I picked up a book called The Beer Met Entrepreneur mm-hmm. just because I happened to see it in a book stand and just picked it up. And I like, I literally didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I was still, <laughs> I thought I'd better have a read of this, see if I can find an alternative plan. So, um, yeah, it was really those three things. It was the, you know, collapsing in the escalator. It was having another career path opening up as a little sideline and then the redundancy scheme being offered. And it's like, yeah, I think these stars are aligned and it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you painted a picture there, which, you know, a lot of people listening now will be probably stuck on that train and feeling in a similar way. And it's often well, certainly in this day and age now, Simon, is an overwhelm of opportunities available. So it's not so much a lack of information, it's a lack of direction. So how did you then decide that the internet route was the right route for you? And what were the first steps that you took to educate yourself in that area? Sure. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I literally remember uh, buying like franchise magazines, looking at franchises. I looked at a a dog walking franchise I seriously considered to spend my redundancy money on um, and, and various other things. But one of the things I'd seen was an advert in a newspaper, which was for a, a seminar that basically the advert said something like, you can be rich, you know, come and learn how to be a millionaire. And I was a bit cynical, um, but I thought, you know, what, I'm going to go along and just see what this is all about. Um, so I went along to this seminar and the guy became a millionaire from selling information products on CDs and DVDs, like training products. He was licensing from America from other people that created the products. And I love the the concept because he was talking about these huge profit margins that were possible, where he was licensing a product for uh, five or ten thousand pounds as a license fee. But once he'd licensed it, he could um, sell a set of DVDs for five hundred pounds. That only cost you ten pounds to duplicate. So I love the idea of the margins. But my my challenge was I didn't really have the spare capital to put into buying a license for someone's products, but then also the marketing campaign, the direct mail or the newspaper ads he was running to sell them. So uh, this was the time when the internet started to get quite popular. And I just thought maybe there's something I can do with the internet as my channel to market rather than newspaper ads and direct mail. And also uh, the other change was licensing the products. I thought maybe I could create my own product. I all the time in the world. I wasn't doing a day job anymore. So really... I just found my way in the dark. I'd never done this before, but I, you know, taught myself uh, how to make a simple web page. I um, created this first ebook, which was about uh, buying investment property in Bulgaria, and just through trying stuff out, got this web page to come out on the first page of Google for when people were searching for phrases around Bulgaria property investment, and it started selling. And people often say to me, "Now, what's it like making the first million? And actually, it was it was a much bigger wow making the first 20 quid because it was the first sale that dropped in. I thought, there's someone that doesn't know me somewhere on this planet that's just sent me 20 quid. It's like, this is amazing. And once you've got the first one, you kind of know that this stuff works and you can make more. And all you've got to do is just get you know more traffic and more products and the amount of money you make is just going to go up. Yeah. And over the last 10 years, you've now helped 
thousands and thousands of people to have those first 20 quids drop in themselves. And so for someone who is really kind of new to the internet world now, and they're looking at what's my first, you know, first avenue to start getting a little bit of income. Have things changed a lot? Obviously, there's been technological advancements. But in terms of just getting proven concepts and getting someone to just give you some money, what are your tips, Simon, for someone who, who's getting started? It's, it's funny because people say, oh, it was easy in your day. It wasn't as much competition. But I have to point out and say, well, when I started, it seems crazy. But Facebook didn't exist. Facebook actually started the year after I started. So you know, in the early days, the only option was Google. That was the main channel to market. But now we've got Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Pinterest and all these new things that come along the way. So actually, there's so many great channels to market now, which are free. You, know, you can reach 2 billion people for free on Facebook. It's like, I never had that advantage. So you could literally, you know, some of the fastest ways to make uh, a few quid and just get going is affiliate marketing has come of age as well. So just about every business on the planet now has some sort of affiliate scheme. So you could literally go to some affiliate site, find a product to promote, create a group or a page on Facebook around that niche and just start adding value to people's lives, sharing content, and then interspurse that with the odd promotional link for something and start making you know, those first 20 quids, those first affiliate commissions. So uh, I said to anyone thinking about it, just you know, dip your toe in the water and start. You know, the, the great thing is that it's not massively time-consuming. Um, so you could actually just start having a little bit of play with the internet, you know, sign up for some affiliate programs, drive some traffic to some offers, start trying some things out and, and finding your, your little niche. But, you know, it's never been easier really. So, it's, you know, the website technologies come on no ends. When I started, I had to learn a little bit about HTML, you know, and, and header tags and stuff. You know, it was actually a little bit of code that I was doing in the early days on the websites. But now you've got all these great website builders. You've got WordPress. You've got you know, drag and drop WordPress themes. So the website building bits got infinitely easier. Uh, the number of traffic sources has grown hugely. Um, so uh, yeah, even things like payment process. When I started, I went to my bank and said, I want to sell stuff online. They just turned me down flat. said, no, sorry, we don't accept new internet-based businesses. Just like now, you can go onto stripe.com and you can have a merchant account set up within the hour. So uh, in many respects, it's got a lot easier. There's more competition, but you know, it, the trick has always been to find those niches and find new emerging markets. And you know, you know don't follow the crowd. Try and be the next, the the, the early adopter in the next next thing that's going to be popular. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And in terms of the fundamentals of business, Simon. So people come and they say, "Well, I want to have an internet business," but do you agree that you need to understand the fundamentals of business, of customers, of who you're targeting, of the problems you're solving before you actually think, okay, then how do I translate that online? Sure. Yeah. What we, what we, we teach really is like a four step methodology to say, you know, to qualify an idea. If you've got this idea, I want to sell whatever it might be. Firstly, you need to make sure the market's big enough. You need to make sure there's enough people that are looking for that particular kind of thing. Then you need to look at the competition and say, well, who's out there doing it already? And, and realistically, how are you going to differentiate from what is already there? What could, you, what could you do about this thing and do it differently to the other guys? Then we look at the trends of this particular area. Like, what is the actual cycle doing in terms of, is this a growth area? Is it stagnating? Is it pretty flat? Or is it actually diminishing? And the fourth factor we look at is, what's the willingness of people to spend money? 
in this particular area. So how likely are people in this particular niche to get their wallets out versus another niche? So when we do our training programs, we kind of do idea generation exercises, get people to come up with lots of different ideas of things they could get into based on their own experience, interests, hobbies, people that they know. I know we teach them how to qualify out those ideas with these kind of business fundamentals, that it's all about market size, market competition, market trends, et cetera, so that you're, you know, you're only back in the winning horses. You don't spend loads of time and effort and money developing an idea that actually no one wants to buy, or you're never going to be cheaper than the guys that are out there already, or you're never going to be able to differentiate in a positive way your product versus someone else's. Hi, I'm Simon Coulson, and you're listening to Escape the Rat Race Radio. Simon, I'm really keen. You mentioned there about some of the greats that you've spoken on stage with, people like Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor. When you were starting out, you probably couldn't imagine that that was ever going to happen in your life. How much have you set goals for yourself in the past? And are you someone who creates a vision and really works hard to achieve that? And how did all of this kind of manifest itself in your life, do you think? Yeah, it's kind of really interesting because oh, I, I call myself the accidental public speaker in that I never had any uh, any incentive, never, never, it was never an objective to be a public speaker. It's completely by accident. I was actually running a, a membership site called Business Opportunity Review, which was a, a review site of business schemes and franchises. And a seminar promoter asked me to promote his seminar, which was an entrepreneur seminar, and he thought my database would have a good fit with his list. So I promoted his seminar. And they just called me up after and said, thanks for doing that. You know, is, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, well, yeah, I'm selling information products on growing bonsai trees and car mechanics and bricklaying. And not really, you know, it's not a, not a big fit. Most of my business is actually selling info products. And he said, oh, how's it going? And I said, well, it's going pretty well. I've made about three million quid so far. And he said, wow, that's amazing. That's a home-based business you've made three million quid from. Do you want to come and speak at my next seminar? So it's only because he asked that question that, and I actually thought, well, I guess so. I think people want to hear about this. So if you never asked me that question, I never would have been a public speaker. I had no desire to do it at all. Um, and then I spoke at his seminar. I then spoke uh, another one for the same guy. And then I bumped into uh, the guy who was running the first ever seminar that I attended. Um, and foolishly, um, he was actually attending a seminar in Atlanta. So I went up and kind of shook his hand and said, thanks for that stuff you taught me three years ago. You know, it was great. I've built a, a multi-million pound business from it. Um, and uh, he said, oh, come and, come and tell me more about it when we get back to the UK, because this was out in America. And uh, I foolishly at that meeting said, I now speak at seminars. And he said, oh, I've got another seminar coming up. Do you want to speak at that one? And I was just thinking he'd get me to sort of pitch up for five minutes and be like a case study or something. I was also expecting it to be a similar size to the one I'd attended, which had about 70 people at. But it turns out this little speaking gig was to three and a half thousand people at uh, Bournemouth Conference Centre. So it was a real baptism of fire, like going from just speaking, you know, and not being very accomplished or trained or anything to little rooms of 30, 40 people to suddenly three and a half thousand. But it went really well, was really well received. And then the phone started ringing from other seminar promoters saying, can you come and speak at my seminar? So literally within a year from there, I was speaking internationally. I got to speak in Dubai, I think was the first one that I did. Um, and then the gigs just got bigger, you know, and I got booked for companies like Success Resources that put Tony Robbins around the world and that kind of stuff. So uh, I started getting booked for bigger and bigger events and, and kind of reputation got around that actually this guy's a little bit different. He's not like your normal speakers that's all kind of 
rah, rah, and shouts and punch the air. He's a bit deadpan. He tells it like it is. He's just the average guy who used to work for the phone company. Um, and that kind of difference seemed to appeal to people, really, and, and seemed to resonate. So, like I said, the accidental public speaker and, and the gigs just got bigger. And um, just, just yesterday, I was doing like a 1,000-person event in London. Um, you know, and I kind of look back and think, God, I used to hate standing up in front of 10 people at my BT team meeting. So like, you know, yesterday, not only did I speak, I actually did a song from the stage in front of the audience as well. And, and, and it's the surreal story behind that is we were just, um, me, and, me and Andy, the, the guys put the seminar on, we're just having a chat the night before we had a curry. We said, yeah, we should, we should do something different. Let's have a song. And we were pulling up karaoke tracks and auditioning karaoke tracks at midnight the night before, choosing what song we were going to actually do. Um, so it's kind of crazy now that, you know, I was the sort of shrinking violet in corporate world and now I speak to thousands and, and start singing songs to them. It's kind of bonkers. No, I love that. And, and that just goes to show the freedom that you have as an entrepreneur, doesn't it? How you can get into your flow and just enjoy what you're doing. And as long as you're giving value to people, then you can, you know, you can kind of make things up a little bit as you go along. So I think the purpose of me doing these interviews, Simon, is, is to have these real conversations with people because so many of our listeners, they'll be, they'll be stuck in that rut and feeling like it's really difficult to get out and off that kind of hamster wheel, but it's so worth it. And so I'd love for you to share a few words just to really help people, give them that little bit of a push. Those who know inside that they're not really meant to be sat behind a desk every day working for someone else. And they know there's something bigger and better within themselves. And you've helped so many people to make that transition from employee to entrepreneur. What are some of the traits that you see in people, Simon, who, who do successfully make that break? Sure. I think uh, self-discipline is a big one. I noticed quite early on that some of my most successful students were ex-military. Um, and that meant they were used to just following instructions, doing what they're told. Um, and that's continued. And when I got to speak alongside Tony Robbins, he actually was, he said to me, and finally the penny dropped for me because I thought I've been running these courses and literally I've, I can have a course where someone will go and become a millionaire within a year and someone sat next to him might not have made any money a year later. But yeah, they were taught the same stuff. And, and often it wasn't the person who you think would be more predisposed to be successful. It wasn't the person who was more techie or knew more about the internet. It was a person that didn't know anything about the internet that made all the money. So um, Tony Robbins said success is 80% mindset and 20% mechanics. And I think this whole mindset thing is, is really key. It's, it's kind of about your, your mental attitude. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a Henry Ford quote that says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I think that kind of sums it up, really. So I think the, the belief in yourself, and I think when I left BT, people thought I was crazy to leave this secure job I had for 14 years. It would have been a job for life, was, was yeah, pension, was private healthcare. They're like, why are you walking away from this job? But I had this kind of inner self-belief that, you know what, this isn't what I'm happy doing. And I kind of know there's something better out there. And I don't know what the hell it is yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. I'm sure it'll come along. And I think my, my whole journey has has not been planned out i've kind of rolled with the punches and i've gone with you know stuff that i never thought i'd be doing but i think if you've got that that mindset that that you can do anything you know, in this day and age if i ask you to do it if i said to you could you uh build a rocket ship and fly it to the moon you know what 
if you think you can, you could, because you could find everything you need to know about building a rocket ship and flying to the moon on the internet, right? You could find out what trajectory you'd need, how much fuel you'd need, how much it's got away. You could find the scientists that build you the engine, whatever it is. So we can all do anything we want. There's nothing that any of us can't do. You know, I, I had a guy come up to me years ago and said, oh, I've got this idea about running a lottery business. It's like, well, I've never run a lottery business. All I've done is made a couple of websites at this point. But I just Googled, how do you run a lottery? And found out how you get a license from the gambling commission and created a lottery business, sold it to premiership football clubs and then sold the business 18 months later to a big lottery operator. And I think it's that mindset I've got. It's like, you know, I've never done it before, but I'll give it a go. Like when I bought the farm, it's a massive property development. I've never done property development. My first project is like a million pound property development um, converting barns and outbuildings into holiday accommodation and a wedding venue. And it's like, people are like, crazy, we've never done it before. Why don't you do like a little house extension or you know a, a, a flat conversion first? Why are you launching in with building four new houses concurrently on a listed building with all the complications? It's like, well, I don't know. So I'll, I'll give it a go and then I'll learn how to do it. So we've got a really good slide if you use on the course, which is like somebody in a bubble. And I often think that people, you're in a bubble, it's your comfort zone. And often people aren't prepared to jump out of that bubble and take any risks and do anything because it's comfortable. It's like, it's easy. There's a paycheck every month. But all the stuff that you want is outside of that comfort zone. So the only way you're um, going to get out of that comfort zone is actually just to break out, take that leap of faith and have confidence in yourself that you'll make something happen. And sure enough, it does. You know, loads of the things that have happened to me are only because I just took that leap of faith. You know, another example is I just... Um, opened a uh, self-storage center. I've never done that before in my life. I know nothing about that industry, but because I thought, well, it can't be that hard. I just did it, you know? So I think it's a lot about mindset. And I think, think about just taking that leap of faith. Think about that quote, you know, what do you think you can or you can't, you're right. And, um, you know, just be prepared to make that jump. And I guess, you know, when I made that jump, I had that little buffer. I had that little bit of redundancy money, which, you know, was not even half a year's salary, but it was enough to tide me over for a few months. So, yeah, I'd never be sort of crazy and say, oh, yeah, you know, just walk out of your job tomorrow and, and uh, you know, live off your credit card. But I think in this day and age, you can actually afford to start educating yourself and start doing some stuff in your spare time. And you can kind of prove the concept to yourself. You know, you could all, anyone listening to this could set up a little business in their spare time, start generating some extra money, and that would give them the confidence that actually, yeah, this does work. Yes, it could scale up. And if I was to spend all my time doing this, I could genuinely make a living from doing this.